Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's one of those TGIF days. If you are happy, it is Friday. I am with you. Welcome to Trending with Timory. So much to discuss today on Trending. Joining me will be Father Dave Heaney, and we are going to unpack some very important topics. Uh, the relevance of St. Augustine in the culture today, with everything from the perspective of the soul, obedience, and chastity, those aren't things that we struggle with as a culture, are they? They indeed are, and St. Augustine has great insights into these specific topics. I'm also going to talk about how do you respect the father of your children when it's difficult to respect him? Maybe there's an instance of separation because of abuse. Maybe there's been a divorce. We're actually going to talk a little bit later on about the Catholic take on divorce as well, and we'll talk about the rise of mommunes. If you didn't know what that is, I didn't either until yesterday. That is a play on the word communes where moms are moving in together. They're divorced moms moving in together. And there's actually a reality TV show coming out about one social media influencer with almost 50,000 followers who has been posting about her divorce and being a single parent living in a mommune. So I'll share a little bit about that today on Trending. And I am really looking forward to next week on Monday talking about Khloe Kardashian. She has had this long saga with freezing her eggs, eventually choosing to use a surrogate. And I literally use the word use a surrogate. Actually, by the way, it's Tuesday because guess what? It's Memorial Day. Thank you, Patrick, for reminding me. So I will talk about all of that on Tuesday. Uh, but Khloe Kardashian has come out saying that she had a hard time bonding with her latest child that she used a surrogate in order to have. And it's been really difficult to bond with the child, that it all seems very transactional and cold. And she's saying people have lied about the whole surrogacy experience. So stay tuned next week on Tuesday because we are going to talk about that. And it took everything in me not to talk about Khloe Kardashian's experience. Not that I'm a huge Kardashian fan. I've never seen an episode, but I am intrigued by what's been going on with everything from the surrogacy story to you name it, uh, how they're kind of living still today as these icons in the culture. So Mommune's coming up a little bit later, Catholic take on divorce and more. Joining me now is Father Dave Heaney. Father Dave Heaney is in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. You can find him at daveheaney.com. That's Dave, H-E-N-E-Y.com. Father, I am so glad you're back. You have been known in the past for the Family Rosary Across America, and you're gracing us with your presence again today to talk about the relevance of St. Augustine and his writings for so much of what we're struggling with in the culture. Welcome back. Thank you, Timbery. Thank you for having me. In St. Augustine's Confessions, and for those who have perhaps not yet read that book, I really think it's a book for the times, the battle that St. Augustine went through in his life, uh, the past he had and the massive conversion. He shows this 
deep, I think, rawness in terms of her, his pursuit of God in the midst of his own frailty and his own sinfulness. It's very profound. There are many things that he talks about, but one quote that I think at least I hear is the most cited quote of St. Augustine and that really has always resonated with me, Father, is he said in the Confessions, he said, you've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And that quote, Father, has always stood out to me because I think we live in a culture today that doesn't recognize the reality that we have a soul and that what we do with our bodies impacts our souls, our overall happiness. I think that is probably the central quote. I think you picked it out, Timory. I think that is the central quote of that, of that classic of Christian literature, of Catholic literature. Because, you know, this is, the story is largely about his journey to faith. And it really can be contrasted with someone that's more famous like St. Paul. St. Paul had this magic moment on the road to Damascus where a blinding light and a voice from heaven and, you know, really just a really amazing moment that happened at one instant. But for Augustine, it was a long, arduous journey. Mm-hmm. And he went this way and that way and found himself lost in this kind of morass, moral morass, and getting involved in all kinds of, you know, wild relationships and just struggling with the faith for a long time. But he was a man who was dedicated to intellectual truth. He wanted to know the mm-hmm. truth of things. And he, you know, found himself in certain years finding it over here and finding it over there. But gradually, he, he you know, he had a great teacher in St. Ambrose, mm-hmm. and he came to understand the intellectual depth of Catholicism. And that was the key that, that uh, turned him around and kind of put, he was able to finally understand his life in context. So, that beautiful phrase, you know, uh, you know, thou hast created us for thyself and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And he knew exactly what restlessness meant. Mm. He, he lived that sense of restlessness, of not being quiet, not being at peace for such a long time. And he finally found that peace and that rest, finally, when he found uh, the truth of our Lord in the Catholic Church. Really is mm. a remarkable story. You picked the right quote. Perfect. I think the depth of that statement, the more I think about it, you know, as the years go on, it touches on the reality of grace in our lives, the intervention of God in our lives, his providence, uh, that, you know, there's so much I think we look out into society, Father, and we tend to say, I'm not happy. Uh, This thing will make me happy. These next five steps to happiness, this better sleep routine, uh, this new, and maybe getting a new haircut, whatever it might be, you know, if I finally get married, or if I finally have a baby, or if I finally get divorced, you know, all these things that seemingly we think will promise happiness are empty. We will never be satisfied without God. Yet the culture today does not recognize this. And whether it be trying to champion the latest ideology of the culture and be proud of yourself for doing so, that will never make us happy if we're yeah. constantly comparing ourselves, right? And trying to measure up to what society desires. Well, there's plenty of there's plenty of invitations around us to go down this road, to go down that road, to go over here. Whether it's social media or, you know, associating with these, this group of people or, you know, kind of attending these different places. And all of them have the same message. You know, you will find happiness here. You will find meaning here. And like Augustine, it never works. People, Mm. sometimes they have to kind of go through an element of suffering or they have to kind of learn that lesson by, you know, getting spurned or getting burned or getting, you know, injured or, or, you know, in some bad experience. But eventually, you know, we were designed by God. And so we can only find our happiness, you know, with God. 
I use this quote, this is not from, from the Confessions, but I think it's from a very powerful book. I often tell people that one of the most powerful books you can read, the most spiritually powerful book, is your automobile manual. <laughs> <laughs> and they laugh at that, and I say, well, because in there is this very powerful phrase. This vehicle operates best when operated according to manufacturer's instructions. Mm. And we operate best when we operate according to our manufacturer's instructions. It took a long time for Augustine to realize that, but when he did, he realized that when he lives his life as God designed him to live, as this manufacturer made him, he finally found the peace and, uh, and meaning. And then for the rest of his life, he spent his entire life dedicating all of his work to, to making other people find that peace and happiness as well in his, all of his writings and his, certainly in his work as a bishop. I appreciate that very simple and clear statement. Read, write the auto manual, and understand <laughs> a function according to the manufacturer's instructions. I put it differently here on the show. I say it all the time. Live according to the blueprint for your life. God's the only one who has that blueprint. No one else has it. No one else has those manufacturing instructions. And it's funny because I was even just talking to my sister earlier today, and she works in cybersecurity, and we were talking about all of these odds and ends uh, and these different, you know, neat pieces of equipment that she's been teaching me about. And one of them has to do with even just testing ethernet cables and all the wires that go in that make up the single ethernet cable and she's talking mm. you know they're male and female on an ethernet cable and i was cracking up because everyone believes in science and cyber security and tech yet the language of male and female the complementarity of technology to function properly people believe in but they don't believe in the complementarity of male and female us who are human beings so far superior to technology and even man-made technology yet we get it wrong we miss the manufacturing instructions for our own bodies. And we should open our eyes and see what's actually going on and, and just see, you know, how God's presence is in the world and those patterns of male and female are, are everywhere and they're just part of nature. Speaking of male and female, we are just hot off of the heels of the Feast Day of Our Lady of Fatima just a couple weeks ago. And Our Lady of Fatima, along with many of the Marian apparitions, have really focused on sins in our culture, especially having to do within the context of marriage or what's done outside of marriage, lack of chastity. And one of the other quotes that stood out in St. Augustine's work is that quote where he talks about his battle with desiring chastity, but he says not yet. Can you talk to us a little bit about that quote and give it to us? Well, it's like probably the second most famous quote. He says, Dear Lord, give me chastity, but not yet. <laughs> uh, and it really represents that kind of struggle, that slow journey of faith that Augustine had, uh, that, he, you know, that he, he kind of recognized that chastity was a good thing, but you know, he honestly recognized that he, didn't, that he wasn't ready for it himself. I think that's a very powerful message to kind of face the truth about ourselves, uh, to, you know, to be careful what you pray for. I mean, we all sometimes give mm -hmm. lip service to, you know, give me patience, you know, help me have this, faith, hope, and love. But are, are we really ready to live that? Uh, because these beautiful virtues that we pray for really, you know, represent a different behavior that we live, a different way of living. And so I often tell people, before you pray, think carefully about who you are right now and what you're capable of, uh, and then ask the Lord for the grace that you need. Uh, and I think in that uh, uh, connection, you know, good things will happen. So that beautiful prayer, it, it's a beautiful prayer, and then it represented the truth of who Augustine was at that time. He, he, he wanted these things, but he knew he wasn't ready yet. So I think that, that sense of self-honesty, that seeing the truth of ourself, the truth will set you free. 
And if you if you know the truth about yourself, that's that's how you should start every prayer, and that's the kind of the, the basis of our spiritual life. I appreciate always the honesty of this statement from St. Augustine. It's like, mm. okay, I know what's right is to be chaste. I, I know that I'm hurting people. I know that I'm hurting myself, but it feels so good. Or I love what I'm doing. I, I'm, you know, I have a certain level of happiness or might I argue pleasure, right? That pleasure experience, uh, but I want more. And so I think there's a real honesty to what St. Augustine says in this prayer and how he reflects back on it. But Again, it, it's this idea yesterday I was talking on trending about how I will encounter so many men who say who are not religious or maybe don't take their religion seriously. Some even atheists who want a Catholic wife. And it's because they admire and love the virtues of what personifies Catholicism and when hmm. that's lived out. And uh, my comment often is, okay, you want a Catholic wife. That's something you desire. Are you living your Catholic faith? It's kind of that same thing. Like, I want what I aspire to be, but I don't quite want it yet. Or I want to be in close proximity to someone who's like that to make me feel good about myself. That's fascinating. Yeah. So the person recognizes the goodness of a Catholic life and wants that person in the house, wants to marry that person. Mm-hmm. But I also see it you know, who's the other people in the house that these parents love so much? And that's their children. And they want the very best for their children. And so very often we, we'll find them, you know, I, I, I don't go to church myself, but I want my kids to go to Catholic school. Right. And so, you know, I think it's a common thing for pastors all over the country to know that, you know, not every school parent is, is a devout Catholic, but they, they desperately want to make sure that their child is in a Catholic environment and learning the Catholic faith. It's fascinating. It reminds me of a, a Uber ride I was taking from the airport home, and I was in the car with this man who you know, was asking, where was I on my trip? And I was sharing with him. I had been at a Catholic conference at the National Basilica, Basilica in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm Catholic. I said, great. And we're talking. He's talking about how he drops his kids off at church, and he drops his kids off here. And I finally went, what do you mean you drop your kids off? Yeah, <laughs> and he said, oh, well, you know, I make sure they go to church. And I said, but you drop them off, you don't go. He said, oh, no, that that doesn't matter. It's just important. I go, I said, no. And I shared with him, you know, when a father practices his faith, that matters, not just taking them. And the influence and likelihood that a child goes to church is really dependent upon the father's attention. He went, really? He said, I didn't know that. I said, what you do as a dad matters. It makes the world a difference. And we're pulling up on on my house at the time. And I said, go to church. With your children, set that example, or else they will not go later. It doesn't matter how many times you drive them to and fro, they will not go if you don't go down the road, and that's the bottom line. He said, I didn't know it was that important. You know, it's mind-boggling sometimes when people say, "I'm," you know, do as I say, but then they don't realize they're actually saying, without saying it, don't do as I do at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and I think we have this example in the life of St. Augustine with his mother, Monica. You know, uh, certainly St. Ambrose was a very intellectual teacher, gifted in the gift, in the uh, talent of rhetoric. rhetoric. But uh, Monica, you know, Augustine, you know, saw the, the devout example of her mother for, for, you know, many, many decades. And I, I think that, w- that was that plus Ambrose, plus his own intellectual honesty, you know, made for one of the most important conversions in the history of the Catholic mm-hmm. Church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. The, Example of Monica. 
Amen. And, you know, anyone who's struggling with their child who has left the faith or is estranged in some way, that St. Monica had such great love and mercy in the midst of all of that for her son as she worked through praying and intervening for him and helping him to form that relationship with St. Ambrose. It's an inspiration, I think, for many parents who are struggling. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. That's Father Dave Heaney here on Trending. If you're just joining us, you can find Father Dave. His website is daveheaney.com. Dot com. That's daveheaney.com. We'll post a link on social media as well as in the episode notes. He takes tons of pilgrimages, especially to the Holy Land. If you're interested in that, you can find more there at his website. And by the way, I want to hear from you on social media. Uh, I've discussed earlier in the week on Monday the boycott coming up on Target because they released a line of clothing designed by a person who identifies, a woman who identifies as a man and is a Satan worshiper. And they released a clothing line for babies and children. Now, I'm not just talking about yellow and glaring clothes. I'm talking about transgender slogans. And I talked about it on Monday. We'll post a link to that podcast. But I am curious, are you boycotting Target? You know, what has it taken? Are you now? And separately, I haven't talked about the whole Dodgers controversy yet. I will talk about it next week. But are you boycotting Dodgers? They're bringing in a group of cross-dressers who are overtly sexual and mocking the Catholic faith, dressing up as nuns, sisters of providence. They're not religious nuns. It's a mockery and a sacrilege to the Catholic faith. And I'm just curious, if, you know, is it driving you to boycott? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, share with me on social media. Go vote. Follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are there. Father Dave Heaney's with me now on Trending. Father, I received an interesting question yesterday and a number of comments over this last week having to do with uh, cases where people find themselves in a situation where they're separated from the father of their children. And I'll talk a little bit more about divorce later on, but this question keeps arising of how do you respect the father of your children when it's difficult to respect him? I think it's such an important question, Father, in a culture where we see many couples are split up and there's this villainization of the opposite spouse, but at the end of the day, that's half of your child's identity. And these children really suffer. And I'm hearing from Catholics who say, you know, I don't know what to do. I may be in an abusive situation. I may even need a restraining order. And I'm trying to respect the father for my children while still protecting myself. How do I do this? Great question. Um, I always uh, refer people to this verse. This was Pope John Paul said this was the most important verse in the entire Bible, Old and New Testament. It's John eight thirty two. The truth will set you free. So what is the truth? The truth is the Father, even if he's a bad person, is still a human being and worthy of respect. So we don't disrespect them. But if they are a bad person, we don't follow their example. Because what's the truth about this person? They're living a bad life. Uh, and I'm just kind of being general here because we don't have a specific example. But if the, the father who's divorced from the family is, you know, not living a good life, is immoral, you know, <clears throat> maybe even criminal or violent, uh, every human being deserves respect no matter what, but we don't follow their example. And so if we have children in the family, we say, look, you know, your dad is engaging in this behavior, and this is against our faith. And we wish he didn't do that. We pray for him to change. But until he changes, you know, we can't have him in the house or you can't go over there. And, of course, a lot of that depends on the legal circumstances of the divorce and what the uh, uh, child, uh, you know, arrangements are. But kind of talking truthfully and accurately about Mm. uh, what's going on is very, very important. And actually, children will find that helpful. 
So we're not sugarcoating anything and we're not hiding anything. But we're also not exaggerating things. So you have to be truthful. You have to say exactly what's going on. Uh, and, to, and always to describe behavior. So we don't say that your dad is a bad person or an evil person. But we say that when your dad does this, this is against our faith. When your dad acts like that, this is against our faith. When your dad does talk or speaks this way, this is uh, uh, impolite. Harmful. Harmful, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, my child, there are many people in the world that do this. You know, your dad is not the only one that's going to be like this. So it's good for you to learn now that there are, you know, people who don't act that way and people who do. And we want to just recognize the truth about who these people are. And the truth will give us a sense of uh, stability and a kind of a foundation and a sense of putting things in context. So uh, they always get respect. We never insult them. We never call them names. We never, uh, you know, uh, you know, damn them to hell or anything like that. But we recognize their behavior and distinguish their behavior between what their behavior is and what Catholicism is. And by helping our children make that make those distinctions, they'll not only make those distinctions between their father, but also their future boss, their neighbor, or anyone else. And that's that's really one of the greatest skills that you can give your child is mm-hmm. to be able to, in a peaceful way, place people in context. Even though this person is my father, sometimes fathers act that way. Uh, we still respect them, but we don't follow their example. And uh, and we recognize the difference between how they're behaving and the, and the way that our faith calls us to. I hope that helps. Father, this is such a candid, clear, simple, blunt, merciful, and just response. I think all of those things, you know, the <laughs> fact that you just appealed to Jesus' words in John chapter 8, verse 32, the truth will set you free. And when kids are present, kids get very simple, clear truths. And I think sometimes we as adults, try, often we muddy the waters. I even think of the example of, you know, if I'm going to go out on a date with my husband and maybe I have, you know, a family member helping to watch my daughter, you know, sometimes people want to say, oh, they're just going to the store. They'll be right back. I said, no, you know, we're going on a date. We're going to go out to eat and you're going to fall mm-hmm. asleep and I'll be home after. And she's fine with that. But when they start saying other things, she's like, okay. And, you know, it's this idea of tricking her. And I yeah. just don't think that's necessary. Kids are very simple. And if she's sad, I'm leaving. That's okay. I'll be back in a couple hours. Right. And, you know, this example that you just gave in a situation that is very volatile, if there's, you know, abuse or unsafety uh, for a reason where, you know, children are separated from their parents, that you're honest, that this behavior is harmful. We're not following this behavior. You're honest about the behavior. And I think, again, that's simple and clear, but it also teaches, you know, parents, father, are meant to help teach their children what is safe and unsafe behavior, whether it be safe hugs, safe touch, safe speech. And when one parent isn't present and is maybe violating their, you know, again, our faith or safety and boundaries um, by actually saying very simply, you know, when your father does this, it's not safe. And that's why we're not with him. I think it helps to still establish that idea of safety uh, when, in faith even, when that model isn't present, but there's an open dialogue. And then to invite the child to pray for the father. Let's pray for your dad to get better. Let's pray for him Mm -hmm. to find a different path, you know, because we want him to be better, that kind of thing. And so, that preserves the dignity and the respect that, that all people have. <clears throat> and, you know, leaves open the door, the possibility that the dad might change and, mm-hmm. and be better. And then so the child is kind of open to renewing the relationship. 
And that's a version of calling the father back into his mission when you're maybe not able to be there by praying for him. Mm-hmm. And children's prayers are so powerful. If we would only turn to their innocence and their intervention to help pray uh, with, you know, just saying, okay, you know, we're going to pray together. And, you know, God, take this person to heaven or God, help this person. Uh, but it also reminds me of in Cassie Canubi how Pope Pius XI wrote and talked about the importance of spouses calling each other back into their mission. Uh, that there's this responsibility that we have and that we need to bring that invitation that's done through prayer when sometimes we're not able to have that physical ability to invite someone for whatever reason it may be. It's a form of being faithful to that parent of the other child. And often, if you're married in the Catholic Church, being faithful to your marriage when you're separated, which we'll talk a little bit more about later here on Trending. Father, thank you for that uh, guidance, I think, on how to navigate difficult situations with spouses when they can't be present or are harmful for children. Father, do you have a pilgrimage coming up anytime soon that you can share with us about? Well, actually, next week, uh, on the beginning of June, June uh, June 6th, <clears throat> we're bringing a whole bunch of people uh, to the Holy Land for our annual archaeological trip. It's about 12 days and we go to all the regular places, but every time we go to a place, whether it's in Bethlehem or Nazareth, uh, the talk that we hear from the guide is, what is the archaeological evidence that this gospel story actually occurred here? And we only go to places where there is very, very good archaeological evidence. Mm. But when people find out that something actually happened, it's quite moving. It's, they feel much, it's much more powerful to them. Um, mm. You know, the Holy Land is a place of claims. You know, Jesus did this here. Jesus went to the store here. You know, and here's the gift shop. So uh, it's just very powerful when they find out that this gospel story has very solid archaeological evidence. And you are in the same spot, seeing the same scenes that Jesus did. People take their shoes off. They want to touch the same ground. It's just really, really quite moving. And this will be my 19th trip. And I never get tired of it. I can't wait to go. Wow, that's incredible to have that opportunity to touch yeah. and feel and see the reality, right? The, some of the data behind our faith. Our prayers are with you. I hope you will pray for us, Father Dave. If you want to learn more about his archaeological, but very evidence-based pilgrimages in light of our faith, check his work out at daveheaney.com. That's Dave, H-E-N-E-Y.com. I'll post a link on social media as well as in the episode notes. Thank you for being with us, Father. Coming up, we're going to talk about the rise of mom-youns. That's, that is a commune for divorced moms who are moving in together. I'll give a Catholic take on divorce and head over to my social media. I have some questions for you. Are you involved in any of these major boycotts from Target to Los Angeles Dodgers? I'll be right back here on trending go and vote on social media you're listening to trending with timory where you can discuss what matters most to you join the conversation 888-914-9149 there is way too much to talk about right now in the news it is almost overwhelming to hear what's happening with everything from the transgender movement to even growth and everything happening with ChatGPT and AI, you name it. Have your Catholic take. Have your Catholic perspective. When you look at what's happening in the culture, look at it from the perspective of our faith. Is this good? Is this bad? Are these technological advances uh, helpful? Should they be used? And if used, should they be used as tools? Are they dehumanizing me or degrading my faith? These are important things we need to think about. And that's always the goal of trending, that we're looking at what's happening in the culture and getting our unique Catholic take on it. Even when interesting and intriguing things arise, such as the rise of 
momunes. You may ask, what on earth is a momune? <laughs> it's a divorced moms moving in together. I'm astounded by what's happening right now in the culture. The swinger mom married, sharing spouses culture. And I bring it up because it's prevalent everywhere. I mean, just take a couple minutes on TikTok and you see all these people showing off their alternative lifestyles. And it's astounding how just out in the public people are willing to be about their stories. Now, I'll talk about the church's teaching on divorce in a little bit. There's no such thing as divorce in the Catholic Church. I'll give a little bit more of that perspective and really honoring what marriage is and understanding why that is a little later on in the show. Uh, so stay with me, but I want to talk the rise of momunes. Again, how divorced moms are moving in together. This has to do with everything from split household bills where moms have kids, they move in together, they're sharing bills, they're sharing a home, they're sharing child care responsibilities. These are all over Instagram and TikTok. There's uh, one influencer in particular who I've been following who has nearly 50,000 followers, and she is constantly sharing about her divorce, objectifying her ex, talking about her divorce party, talking about how great it is uh, basically to have a sister wife. She doesn't call them sister wives, uh, but it is interesting, and it does kind of not that it's a laughable situation, but it does kind of make me laugh because I've heard this statement for years. Wouldn't you love to have a wife instead of a husband? Not because you're interested in any of that. Got to make it clear in today's culture, but just the thoughtfulness of women, the way women cook and clean. And actually on one of the Instagram videos that one of these momune uh, moms posted on social media, she shared a day in the life of being sick when you live in a momune, and she shared pictures of the homemade cookies and the fresh soup that was made for her and the nice toasted bread that was laid out and the garlic bread and how well she's being taken care of and that the kids were taken out of the house so that she didn't have to worry about them and she was just able to stay in bed or rest and rejuvenate <laughs> along the way. And I was cracking up because I have heard it said for years, wouldn't it be great if you can have a wife instead of a husband? Not that husbands aren't important, but just, you know, when you want to be receive the tender, loving care of a wife. And part of me kind of was just thinking about it watching this video. You know, it looks like you need some tender, loving care from your family. This is some of the benefit of living near family and fostering those familial relationships. Uh, we do it out of love, not out of use, but there's that great gift. I was even just thinking my husband was out of town recently and my mom came over. She helps me, you know, a day a week and comes over and spends time with us. My kids love it. It's part of the reason why we moved back so that my kids could know their grandparents. And that was so important for them to have that intergenerational engagement and love and to be delighted and in that way. But it also is a blessing for me too. You know, as I'm struggling through the day to day to keep up with laundry, I was actually total uh, confession. I was hiding my laundry from my mom before she got home because when she, when she came to visit, because when she comes over, she folds all my laundry and you know, I, I'm good at washing my laundry and I am good at folding my laundry, but then I get behind and I have sometimes a week's worth of laundry to fold. And so I was hiding my laundry from her and she said, Oh, if you have laundry, make sure it's all washed. And mom, I'm hiding my laundry from you. you shouldn't have to wash all my laundry or dry or uh, fold it all i'm so grateful but i talk about that because when i look at these momunes that are occurring right now i can't help but think 
are these people estranged from their families? Have they abandoned their families? Have their families abandoned them? That they feel the necessity to move in with you know, other women who are struggling? And I'll share with you and narrate a little bit of the story of this one mom who's been a major influencer on social media. But I even just think, you know, what, where, where are this? These people's siblings, their sisters, aunts, uncles. You know, I think of how often um, and how close I am of my with my siblings. And when I've been out in public with my siblings, there will be people who comment all the time, are you guys twins? Are you guys best friends? Are, are you sisters? And time and time again, I've heard from single children, children who have no siblings, wow, I've always wondered what it would like to be what it would be like to have a sister. You're so lucky. What's it like? There's this curiosity and desire. And my heart breaks for them because I am so blessed to have the siblings I have. And yes, it takes work to foster relationships with my siblings. We have differences and difficulties like many are. But this is really, I think, my immediate response when I heard about these mom moons. And also that desire for sometimes a feminine touch when people make that joke about how you know, moms joke that they would love to have a wife too who would care for them like this one mom from the mom moon shared when she was sick with all the homemade soup and bread and homemade cookies when she was sick by one of the moms on the mom you that is divorced moms moving living together i just kept thinking well what about you know having a mom or someone drop off food and, and share and help you know when those difficult days occur so let's talk about a little bit in the day in the life of these mom moons that i'm seeing on tiktok and instagram one woman shared her story that her husband cheated on her she lost her job marriage fell apart all in the same time frame she was basically without an income and homeless and I think that that was a little dramatic because she chose to leave and walk away and I'll share a little bit more about that later on but essentially what ended up happening is she moved in with her best friend of 11 years and they've been raising their kids together after the friend had also been through a divorce and so we're seeing kind of this birds of a feather flock together of these women in these mom units living together and I've seen this for years in California uh, you know women helping other women out coming together sharing expenses but I didn't know it was called a mom unit, and I didn't realize they were so popular on social media. I think that it's enticing for some people to see these examples when you hear about what it's like to be sick when you have a sister wife essentially at home. But then as I was looking at the reality of the Instagram posts and videos and stories of a lot of these women on their mom unions, my heart broke. You know, we know about things such as divorce parties and ex-spouse shaming but it's very prevalent in the mom community. And my initial reaction was a place of just heartbreak for those children. First of all, that, and we talked about this earlier on the show with Father Dave Heaney, so I hope you'll go back and listen. You know, what happens when you know, maybe there's an unhealthy relationship or abuse? How do you still respect and honor that child's parent in front of the child? Father Dave, Dave gave incredible guidance. You have to go back and listen to today's podcast if you didn't catch it before. So what my heart breaks over when I'm seeing these mom you post videos on TikTok and Instagram is that that's the parent of one of your children. And you when you are ex-spouse shamey or whatever you want to call that person on social media that is public and even though your child might be 2 3 13 however old that child is you are making public that child's story and life and really you're making public one of the deepest wounds that child will ever carry in his or her life and it really is a form of objectifying yourself and your children 
their brokenness on social media for attention. And that is something I see in these sensationalized mommy stories on social media, uh, that they are getting attention on social media for the wrong reasons, right? They're celebrating their divorce. They're you know, throwing it out there, their divorce bucket list, their divorce parties. And that's your kid's personal business that you're flaunting the fact that you are rejecting and separating from that child's parent with 45,000 followers and tons of people commenting and sharing. It was interesting. There was one post that went up and, and the woman's dancing in the background. She says, do you want to see what happens if you forgive him and stay married? She said, no. So in other words, you want to see what happens if you forgive your spouse and stay married? She says, no. And she shows all of the fun partying and traveling and things that she's doing without her husband. The whole time I just kept thinking that you mean without the father of your child? That's that's the story here. I remember reading the book some years ago. Uh, it was compiled and edited by Layla Miller, and it's called Primal Loss. We'll post the link in the episode notes as well as on social media. And it chronicled the stories of countless individuals, adults, who at some point in their life, often in their childhood, their parents divorced and split up. And they share their experience of that primal loss that was fundamental in their life and how deeply they carried that wound for so long. Yet in today's culture, children of divorce are told, or we say about children, I don't, but the culture does, that children are resilient, they'll be fine. But what came out in these stories, what the studies show is that the children carry that divorce, that wound, that chasm between half of themselves between mom and dad into adulthood, leading to many abuses from eating disorders, behavioral disorders, self-rejection and self-esteem crises, difficulty in their own relationships moving on, that there's always this hope and desire, will mom and dad get back together? The the pain goes so deep. And so as I hear Layla's story of primal loss, I hope you'll pick up the book. It gives a different perspective on divorce than what we tend to like to say of, yeah, move on, do what's best for you, and the kids will be resilient. That is certainly not the case. And so when I saw that video of, do you want to see what happens if you don't forgive him? Uh, Here, I'll show you. And it's celebrating the fact that that child is without a parent and that you are shaming that parent on social media. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio as I talk about mom wounds. It was I think also as we look at what's happening with these mom unions, these divorced moms moving in together, I mentioned earlier, you know, these are women coming together to support each other. I do ask, where are their families? Are they there supporting and helping them? Because spousal abandonment, abuse, mental health crises can be very, very real and require separation uh, in I think that this is where is the family, is the community stepping in and helping. It's, I think, a conviction for all of us that we're not encouraging divorce or separation, but we're encouraging safety and health of the family and helping to step in if a parent is missing from that relationship. And yet what we see in these celebrations on Instagram are bashing of the husbands. And I think that when we see now the signing of one of these very popularized social media influencers who lives on a mom unit actually landing a reality TV show. It, it breaks my heart that this is going to be one of the new shows we have on TV, a mom unit, this new alternative lifestyle that at the end of the day, people will watch for entertainment or for relatability. But at the end of the day, we're talking about the lives of children whose whole reality and whole world has been 
catastrophically destroyed. Now, there were some, I think, very helpful posts. If you walk through some of the Momune's posts and shares, there was one in particular that I'm thinking of. It was a public service announcement for all baby daddies. And I just want to read it to you because I think there is a lot to take away uh, for men in particular talking about because i think that this one paragraph this public service announcement really doesn't indicate in many ways the deep desire of a mother for contribution from her husband out of love for her and her children and i look at this and i say praise god through my husband's generosity and love and also through expectations right on my part my husband is so good at trying his best not being perfect and me not being perfect and me asking for too much at trying to strive for these things and husbands i think there's this this attitude in the culture that well if i go and earn a paycheck that's enough and when i get home i'm off and i rest no dads you are always on your vocation is husband and father not go to work and work and come home and shut down. And that's what this PSA announcement to all baby daddies from this mom in the commune really stood out to me. So I'll share with you a little bit about it. Uh, she basically posted that life should be easier when, or sorry, life should not be easier when your spouse isn't around. She said, if the majority of your contribution when it comes to kids, housework, and partnership is just a financial one, you aren't contributing enough. She said, change a diaper, pack and carry the bags, Research what to do when your child has a behavioral issue. Buckle the kids in the car seat. Make dinner on occasion. Pick up groceries. Take the kids somewhere on your day off so that mom can actually get a few hours to herself to just rest or maybe even do the dishes. She said, prioritize a plan and plan a date night. Participate in bedtime for kids. She said, man up and make your absence felt when you aren't there so that you truly are missed. Carry your weight. Don't be dead weight for her to carry. And... I, so end quote of this post, there is legitimacy to everything she said there from leaning in and helping with some dishes, cuddling and loving your kids at bedtime, helping carry the bags so that mom isn't the only one carrying the bags. What she's asking for and so deeply desiring is a husband, a man, and a father. And my heart breaks when I see these stories of mom wounds where these moms feel the need to bash their spouses. That is the father of their children. But in reality, we've had a culture that has expected too little of men and men have expected too little of themselves. And so there is legitimacy to the rise of mom units, that is moms who are divorced living in together. But I think we have a different perspective as Catholics. And I want to come back talking about the church's teaching on divorce. But more importantly, why does the church say there is no such thing as divorce? And what is so important about marriage? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Trending. Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. In case you forgot, it's Memorial Day weekend. If you have a three-week day weekend, take some time to plan something fun with an extra day or maybe accomplish a project at home. That's my fun tip for the weekend. But what I do want you to do this weekend is to share with me your thoughts on 
the Dodger boycott and the Target boycott. Are you boycotting? Yes or no? Go take the poll on my social media. Follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. The poll is hanging out there. I really am curious. Are people actually making a change in their shopping, spending patterns or not? The boycott of Bud Light was massive and they took a major blow because of it. Will we change our shopping trends with things such as Target? I don't shop at Target. I haven't for years. I did on occasion for some maternity clothes because it just cost effectiveness. It made more sense for my family when it was impossible to find any maternity clothes in person uh, and ones that were not a million dollars to buy. Uh, so that was where I did cave, but I'm done. And even when I was there, I felt sick because of all the trans uh, children, trans content and tucking uh, items such as bathing suits and I mean, they've been sell, send, selling harmful chest binders for years. I mean, this literally cracks and damages young girls' bodies. They're disgusting. So I am curious if this is the final straw from, for people. Let me hear from you. I cover the whole Target discussion on Monday. We'll post a link to that episode in the show notes and on social media. And coming up next week, I will be with you on Tuesday because Monday's Memorial Day. Uh, we will still have a show, so be sure to listen. But Tuesday, I'm going to be sharing some updates on Khloe Kardashian actually expressing her difficulty in bonding with her latest baby uh, that she had via hiring and using Sarah she talked about how the whole experience was transactional and she's calling people out who have used surrogates as being dishonest about the experience so stay with me we'll talk about that with a catholic perspective on tuesday along with chat gpt i really want to talk about i think how much we should be using it i'd love to hear your thoughts over the weekend about chat gpt as well you can email me relevantradio.com forward slash trending or reach out on social media and lo and behold we'll talk about We'll talk about the blueprint for toddlers to be transgender, literally toddlers who are being transitioned. There's evidence and data of this. People try to deny it. It is happening. It's shocking and devastating. And parents, you need to know what's happening. I need to know what's happening. It's not that we want to dwell on this, but we need to be able to give that Catholic, faith-filled, male-female take to our children before other voices resound louder than our own. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. I was talking about mom yuns and still honoring your spouse when, uh, in, in front of your children when you're separated for whatever reason. But I do want to touch with all of that said on the Catholic Church, Catholic Church's teaching on divorce. There's no such thing as divorce in the Catholic Church. There's no such thing as a Catholic version of divorce. You may have heard of a declaration of nullity, also referred to as an annulment. It's radically different. I'm just going to lay out this for a second. Um, there's a legal secular term called divorce that we use in our culture, a legal secular term that has to do with the legal holding of a contract. Uh, and when you divorce, you're no longer legally bound to that individual, which is radically different to sacramental marriage. When you get married in the Catholic Church, you're not only engaging in the legal contract of society, but also in the contract that's bounding within the church. But in a soul tie, Catholic marriage bounds two souls, two human beings together before God. This is why there's no such thing as divorce. Physical separation for various reasons, even including safety, may need to occur. And even legal divorce may need to occur to work out legality and finances. But you're still married in the eyes of the church if you got married in the eyes in the church, if you received a sacramental marriage. 
if you're married in the church, you're still bound to your husband or you are still bound to your wife. There's a mark on your soul in that union. That's why when the church talks about annulments or making null the marriage, an annulment is a declaration of nullity. What does that mean? That the marriage never actually even existed. That from the beginning, there wasn't a marriage there, that there was something that occurred at the time or leading into in the perspective and mindset or attitudes or functions of one or other of the bride or groom at the day of that marriage that would make that marriage null. And that's why when a annulment is declared, that declaration of nullity occurs, it goes all the way back to the history. There's vetting, there's there are interviews that occur to see what happens. You know, someone can't just say, hey, my spouse cheated on me five years into marriage and I should get be able to get an annulment. It doesn't work that way. And here's why I want to speak for a moment to the beauty of what marriage is. I was recently reading some work from 1951 by Father Jacques Leclerc. He wrote a book called Marriage, a Great Sacrament. And he talked about the importance of understanding what marriage is. He said this, the sacrament of marriage is thus not merely a religious act sanctifying a human it is a seed sown in the soul and bearing fruit through the whole of married life, giving life to all its acts and sentiments. So what did he say? It's a seed sown in the soul that bears fruit, bears fruit through grace. It's sanctifying of a human. He says that marriage is a unique divine action in the souls of each spouse and that sacramental grace being a reality in their soul one can truly say that they have something in their souls which will really unite them which constitutes a principle of unity and that is unifying in action and it is a divine action these comments by father jacques with regard to what marriage is that it's a soul tie it's a connection on the level of the soul where grace a bounds through the sacrament of matrimony and it's a function of divine action in the marriage that brings the, the, the two together even in the most trying and difficult circumstances i keep thinking of the book compiled by layla miller it's called impossible marriages redeemed she talks about marriages that were on the brink of divorce that faced infidelity that faced addictions the most horrific of experiences and in the name of Jesus, in the grace of Jesus, they didn't give up. And at times, maybe they seemingly did, but they held out hope and faith and commitment to that vow of permanence that we take when we exchange our vows in sacramental Catholic marriage. So I hope you'll pick up that book to see the reality and beauty that in the darkest of moments, God's grace abounds in marriage because we are taking on not just a legal signing of our names in the contractual legal civil ceremony, but we're engaging in a sacrament in that Jesus Christ supplies the graces. He works miracles. I keep thinking about even the writings of Pope Pius XI and Cassie Canubi back in 1930, right? As the sexual revolution for the first time in human history was degrading and starting to destroy the idea of marriage. And he commented in Cassie Canubi, this encyclical by Pope Pius XI, that matrimony is a sign and source of that peculiar internal grace by which it perfects natural love, confirms an indissoluble union, and sanctifies both man and wife. So what is he saying? Marriage is that place where unique graces are given to help in perfecting our love, making it permanent 
that's not something that we can just absolve or dissolve. And that through marriage, even in its ups and downs and its sufferings and joys, that God will sanctify and can sanctify husband and wife. I hope that's inspiring as we talk about why marriage is permanent. And as we hear these challenges in the culture, turning away from marriage and turning away from our spouses, let's honor that commitment that God calls us to enter into. This is Tim Ray from Trending with Tim Ray. Khloe Kardashian, that's right, one of the Kardashians has expressed difficulty in bonding with her baby after using a surrogate in order to have a baby. Now, she's actually calling out those people who have gone through surrogacy before. She's calling them out for their dishonesty. She's talking about how transactional this entire experience has been. We're going to talk about that and more on Tuesday on Trending. So join me at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.